Surah Ali Imran We will begin from Ayah number 7 So far we have read in Surah Ali Imran That the concept of Tawheed Has been made very clear So many times La ilaha illahu Has been mentioned The names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Have been mentioned That prove to his oneness To his greatness And the Quran has also been mentioned The fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed the Qur'an and it must be believed in and it must be followed. Why? Because it is the Furqan. It is the criterion. And as for those people who don't believe in it, those people who don't follow it, for them there are severe consequences. Over here, in this ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us about the verses of the Qur'an. He is the one who, meaning Allah is the one who, الَّذِي لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا هُو he is the one who anzala alayka al-kitab. He has sent down upon you the book, meaning upon the Prophet ﷺ, the Quran. Who is Allah, al-Hayy al-Qayyum, la yaqfa alayhi shay, al-Aziz al-Hakim, and it is He who has sent down the book for your guidance. And this book, minhu ayatun, from it are verses, meaning in this book. There are verses. Ayat is a plural of ayah. Now you know that ayat are of two types. Ayat kauni and ayat shari. Over here, which ayat are these? Shari. Why? Because these are ayat of the Quran, which are obviously shari. So minhu ayatun. In the Quran, there are ayat that are muhkamatun. That are precise. That are very clear in their meaning. The word muhkamat is the plural of the word muhkamah. And muhkamah is from the root letters ha, kaf, mean. Muhkamah is the feminine of muhkam. So how will you write muhkamah? With the tamar buta at the end. And the masculine is without the tamar buta. So muhkamah is from hukum, which as you know means to judge about something, to pass a verdict regarding something. And the word hukum also means to make something firm, to do something properly. And from the same root letters, we also get the word hikmah. What is hikmah? To do something in the right way, in the right manner, at the right time. So over here, muhkam does not mean that which is decided, that which is judged, but rather what it means is that which is made perfect, that which is made firm. It is said that the word hukum also gives us the meaning of to obstruct or to prevent something. So muhkam is that which is made firm and strong. That there is nothing that can obstruct it, nothing that can prevent it. This is the literal meaning of the word muhkamat. What does it mean? Those that are firm. Those that are exact, that are perfect, that are precise. You cannot misunderstand them. So what does it mean by Ayatul Muhkamat Ayat that are precise Ayat that are made firm What does it mean by that? We see that these ayat Are those ayat that are entirely clear and plain You read them And you know exactly what they mean You know some verses you read them You read the translation And it's clear In their text In their content In the way that the sentences are arranged In, in the way that the words are placed you read the sentence, you read the ayah, and it's clear. For example, the beginning of the surah, Allahu, la ilaha illahu al hayyul qayyum. When you read it, the meaning is very clear to you. So muhkamat are those verses whose meaning is entirely clear and plain. And why are they called muhkamat? Because they are precise in their wording and in their meaning. Firm in their wording and in their meaning. So because of that, they're not open to various interpretations. There is no difficulty in understanding them. They are to be taken in their literal sense. These verses, Allah says they are hunna, they are, hunna is a feminine of hum. They are ummul kitab, mother of the book. What does um literally mean? Mother. And from this the word um is not just used for mother, but it's also used for the foundation of something, the origin of something, the basis of something. So these verses are the um of the book. What does it mean by that? They are the foundation of the book. Marjir. Just as a mother, child returns to the mother again and again, refers to the mother. 
So similarly, these verses are the foundation. They are the basis of the book. And therefore, other verses should be referred to these verses for clarification. These verses are to be kept in mind when understanding other verses of the Qur'an. Because why? They are the foundation. They are the basis of rulings of guidance. هُنَّ أُمُّ الْكِتَابِ They are the mother of the book. It is also said that Ummul Kitab over here means that they are main part of the book. That most of the verses of the Qur'an are muhkam. They are clear in their meaning. Now as for the muhkamat verses, let's look at the different opinions of the scholars as to what kind of verses they are. For example, Ibn Abbas and Ibn Mas'ud Both of them, they said that muhkamat verses are the nasikh verses. What does it mean by nasikh? Those verses that abrogate other ayat. Meaning you read them, they're clear, and they are the verses on which the rulings are based. A verse that has been abrogated, is a ruling based upon that? Is a hukum based upon that? No. For example, we learned about the idda of a woman whose husband has passed away. And we learned that a woman whose husband has passed away, she stays in the house of the husband for how long? One whole year. But that verse is abrogated. Another verse which abrogated it, which is the nasikh ayah, what does that tell us? That their idda is four months and ten days. So what are you going to refer to for the ruling? Which ayat? Ayat that is muhkama. That is nasikh, meaning that verse which has abrogated the previous verses. Why? Because they're the ummul kitab. They're the foundation. They're the basis of rulings. Other scholars have said that muhkamat ayat are those verses which are about halal and haram. So basically, verses that are about rulings, that tell you what to do and what not to do. Is there any ambiguity in understanding the commands? No, it's clear. Aqimu salah, obviously, pray salah. Can you misunderstand that in any way? No. Complete the Hajj and Umrah for Allah. Can you misunderstand that in any way? No, you cannot. So these are verses about halal, haram, about the do's and don'ts, about the commands, about that which is permissible and that which is not permissible. So basically, we see that the muhkamat ayat, the muhkamat verses, are those verses that mention the commands, the obligations, the rulings, it is those verses which have to be implemented. They're about actions. They're about what to do and what not to do. And these verses we learn, they're the Ummul Kitab. This is what we have to refer to, to understand other ayat as well. وَأُخَرُ Ukhar is the plural of Ukhra. And others. Ukhra. And what does Ukhra mean? Other. Meaning there are other ayat in the Qur'an that are mutashabihat. That are unspecific. Now the word mutashabihat is a plural of mutashabihatun, mutashabihah, mutashabihatun, with a tamarbuta at the end, which is the feminine of mutashabih. We have done this word before as well. Wa utubihi mutashabihah. They will be given the fruit, the provision in Jannah, such provision that resembles one another. Mutashabihat is understood to be from the word tashabaha which gives us two meanings. First of all, it means to resemble one another, to be similar to one another. For example, we learned in the story of the cow, إِنَّ الْبَقَرَ تَشَابَهَ alayna. All the cows, they look alike to us. They look alike to us. All of them look the same to us. We cannot tell between the cows. So what does it mean by tashabaha? To resemble one another, to be similar to one another. Secondly, it also means to be unclear, to be unspecific. By unclear, I don't mean unreal or untrue, but what I mean is it's unspecific. Unspecific. It doesn't specify what exactly it is. It can be understood in a number of ways. Precise meaning has not been specified. It can be understood in a number of ways. Where do we get this meaning of the Shabaha? To be unclear from, to be unspecific from? For example, there is a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ which tells us that the halal is bayin and the haram is bayin. The lawful is clear 
and the unlawful is also clear. And between them are matters that are mutashabihat. Between them are matters that you are not sure about whether they are halal or they are haram. So what does it mean by tashabaha? What's the second meaning of it? Something that is unclear. Why? Because it is unspecific. It hasn't been specified what exactly it is. And because it hasn't been specified, therefore it can be understood in a number of ways. Which is why when it comes to halal and haram, some things it's obvious, it's very clear. But there are some matters over which there's so much difference of opinion. Some people say it's halal, other people say it's haram. Isn't it so? You may have seen with so many issues. And each one has his evidence for it. So such matters are what? Mutashabihat. That's what the hadith tells us. Meaning they are unclear, unspecific with regards to their ruling. So basically, mutashabih is something that is so similar to another that it is difficult to distinguish between the two. Now, this is the meaning of the word mutashabihat. What does it mean by verses that are mutashabihat? Verses that are mutashabihat, what it means by them is verses that are not entirely clear. In their meaning, in their interpretation, they are unspecific. In their meaning, in their interpretation, how are they? Unspecific. And because of this reason, they are open to more than one interpretation. For example, when we read about the stories, for example, the story of Ruzayt or the story of Talut. Now, one is the story that you were told through the Qur'an. And because some details were not mentioned, therefore how do we understand that? From the opinions of different scholars or from the traditions that we learn from Bani Israel. But because the precise detail has not been mentioned, therefore, the story is understood in different ways. It is open to multiple interpretations. So, ayat mutashabihat are those verses whose meaning has not been specified precisely. And because of that, they are open to more than one interpretation. Others have said, that mutashabihat, what it means is that it is those verses whose meaning is known only to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The exact meaning of these verses is only known to who? To Allah. Nobody else. For example, the opening letters of Surah Al-Baqarah and Surah Ali Imran, Alif Lam Mim. We had a whole discussion on what they mean or if they don't mean anything, what's their purpose. But that also is only an opinion of scholars. This is the best that we can guess. This is the best that we can understand with the knowledge that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. But the exact precise meaning, Allahu A'lam. At the end of the day, what do we say? Allahu A'lam. Allah knows best. So, ayatul mutashabihat are those verses whose reality, whose exact meaning, only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. Now, does it mean, you know how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran that this Quran is bayin, arabiyan, mubin. This Qur'an is clear, it is open. So it doesn't mean that this mutashabihat is contradicting that. If there are verses which we don't understand, how can the Qur'an be clear at the same time? If there are verses, for example, Alif Lam Mim, which we cannot completely and fully understand, then what does it mean by Qur'an that is Mubin? How do we understand that? We see that certain things, they are very important for us to know, even if we don't fully comprehend them even if we don't fully understand them. Like for example, ghayb, unseen. When it comes to the matters of the unseen, we learn about the day of judgment that is described in the Qur'an, jannah that is described in the Qur'an, the story of Adam salam that is mentioned in the Qur'an. All of that is what? Unseen. We haven't seen it. And even if we try, we cannot see it. But if we're told, okay, don't believe in it, is our iman going to be complete? No. Our purpose in life is to prepare for the akhirah. This is why we're here in dunya, to prepare for the akhirah. If we don't believe in the unseen, how are we going to prepare for the akhirah? We won't be able to. So it doesn't contradict the clarity of the Qur'an, but it is necessary at the same time to believe in the unseen. So mutashabihat are generally verses that pertain with the unseen. Whether it is stories 
or it is details or it is future or it is past or it is something that we don't know we cannot see it is generally with regards to the unseen for example when it comes to mathematics and geometry and calculus and all these things people work in multiple dimensions or they do problems that never really happen for example it's possible that in math you did some problems that are very unrealistic and you wonder what's the point it doesn't happen isn't it so but why do you do it because it is possible it doesn't happen generally but it is possible and it's important for you to know that to understand that in order to understand the whole concept fully so similarly the ghayb or mutashabihat ayat they're not useless they are there to supplement our understanding because if we were not informed of them then how would we know about where we've come from where we're going why we are here we couldn't so it doesn't contradict the fact that the quran is clear so wa ukhru mutashabihat and there are other verses as well that are mutashabihat so to summarize what are the mutashabihat ayat what do they include the mutashabihat ayat include ghayb matters of of the ghayb matters of the unseen and according to other scholars they include those ayat that are abrogated okay because if the muhkam ayat are those that abrogate other verses then mutashabihat are those verses that are abrogated others say that mutashabihat verses they include for instance the huruf muqatta'at the disjointed letters the meaning of which exactly precisely we don't know then it has also been said that the mutashabihat verses they include the stories that are mentioned in the quran for example the stories that we read in surah al-baqarah the end of the second juz beginning of the third juz all of these stories are what part of the ghayb they're qasas they're stories and they're included in mutashabihat so basically muhkamat ayat are those that are to be understood and implemented mutashabihat ayat are those that are to be believed in they are to be accepted but not implemented how can you actually implement them there is no action there is no command in them but obviously those verses allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned in the quran for a certain purpose so we learn a lesson so whatever lesson we learn from them obviously that is to be implemented but there is no clear command that is in those verses we see that as human beings there are some things that we see other things that we listen to we feel we understand and then we can relate to them and many of these things are mentioned in the quran for example the verses are mentioned in the quran of the sun the moon the stars people colors yesterday we learned about the creation of the human beings this is something that we see it's tangible and these concepts are mentioned in the quran similarly there are commands that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us hajj salah even these are mentioned in the quran these verses are what are they muhkamat but there are other verses that talk about the akhirah that talk about jannah that talk about jahannam they talk about the attributes of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the hand of allah yadullah the hand of allah now has anybody seen it can we describe it we cannot because we haven't seen it and it would be completely inappropriate for us to even try to explain even try to describe it so all of these are included in what in the mutashabihat now is it important to just believe in the muhkamat and not mutashabihat is it no it's important that a person must believe in muhkamat and mutashabihat muhkamat that talk about the world that we can perceive and mutashabihat that talk about the world that we cannot perceive but both are necessary because both supplement each other without the other without the mutashabihat the muhkamat would also be incomplete it would be impossible to understand and it's possible that we don't fully comprehend the mutashabihat ayat but we need both of them so the question is if the mutashabihat ayat are not to be implemented if the mutashabihat ayat are verses that talk about things that we cannot see things that we cannot have 100% awareness of 
then why are they mentioned in the Quran? What's the point? What's the reason? First of all, I told you that yes, they are necessary for us to fully understand the muhkamat. Why else? It's a part of Iman. It's a test of Iman. With these verses, what happens? The believers are tested and the hypocrites are also tested. The believer, when he reads these ayat, what happens? His Iman increases. Or he says, okay, I don't understand, but I accept it as it is. And because of his acceptance, he is rewarded. But the munafiq, the hypocrite, what happens to him? He gets stuck on it. Remember the example of the mosquito? He gets stuck on the mosquito. Why like this? Why? And then his iman, his faith, his hypocrisy, that becomes visible. So these ayat, they are a test of our iman as well. They are a test of our faith as well. This is another reason as to why they are mentioned. Why else do you think they are mentioned in the Quran? To tell us that all that you see is not everything. There is more that is beyond it reminds us that we don't have knowledge of everything. There is much more that we don't know of. What else? So that we know about the past, about the history. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in the unseen as well, so we need to know about Him. We need to know about Jannah. When we learn about Jannah, when we learn about Naar, when we learn about the Day of Judgment, what happens? It increases our Iman. And that affects our Amal. Doesn't it? Our Iman affects our Amal. What is it that makes us pray on time? What is it that makes us do certain things or stop us from certain things? The fear of the day of judgment, that everything I'm doing is being recorded. Now if we weren't told that everything you're doing is being recorded despite the fact that we can't see the records, wouldn't that make a difference in our actions? Of course it would. So these things have been mentioned because they affect our iman, which affects our amal. Therefore, it is necessary that we must be aware of these concepts, even though we cannot fully comprehend them. One more very important reason is that the Arabs, for them, eloquence was about not just speaking you know, in big words, but it was also about speaking in figurative expression. Why? Because the more a person spoke in figurative style, the more eloquent his speech was. So, for example, if we take the meaning of mutashabihat to be verses that are open to multiple meanings, verses that are open to several meanings, that can be interpreted in different ways. That is only possible when you speak in a figurative style. For example, Angel Jibreel. He is mentioned in the Quran, how? Just by the name of Malak? Just by the name of Jibreel? No. What else? Ruhul Qudus. Now when you read Ruhul Qudus, what happens? Ruh, it's a spirit and it's Qudus, it is pure the angel Jibreel is pure and why is he given this title because he brought that which purifies us so when you speak in figurative language what happens, it makes the language more beautiful it opens the doors to several meanings and if everything was written plain plain, then it would be almost monotonous and boring but the Quran is a miracle. And the Arabs, they were the masters of their language. So in the Quran, when mutashabihat verses are mentioned, what did that prove? That this kalam cannot be of a human being. This has to be the kalam of your khaliq, your creator. Similarly, alif, lam, meem. We don't know exactly their meaning. But as we discussed yesterday, the purpose is to prove the miraculous nature of the Qur'an. These are the letters that you speak. Can you produce something like the Qur'an? No, you cannot. So if they were not mentioned simply because they are of the mutashabihat, then would this be established? No. So for the Arabs, eloquence was not just in speaking in big words, but it was also in speaking in figurative style, in figurative speech. And therefore mutashabihat include those verses that are figurative. Another answer to this question is that some verses that are mentioned in the Qur'an, they are not clear in their exact meaning. In the sense that you have to look at other verses of the Qur'an to be able to fully comprehend them. Which is why when we're studying one verse, we look at several other verses as well. This is why I quote to you different verses as well. So what does that do? When a person reads a particular verse, 
And in order to understand that, he looks at the rest of the Qur'an. He strives to find out what the Prophet ﷺ said about that concept. He strives to find out what the Sahaba said, how they understood. What happens? A person is struggling to understand a text of the Qur'an. He is researching, he's questioning, he's finding out. What is that going to do? It is going to increase him in his reward. And as a result, the jahil will be distinguished from the alim. The one who is ignorant will be distinguished from the one who knows. So, basically the point is that when the verses are not mentioned in a clear, plain way, what happens? It adds to the beauty of the text. And it also makes people struggle to understand the text of the Qur'an better. And when they do that, they get more reward. And like this, the one who knows, the alim, is distinguished from the one who doesn't know, the jahil. For example, even the words of the Qur'an. You know the Sahaba, the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, they spoke Arabic. They spoke Arabic, that's the language they knew. And the Qur'an came in their language. But we see that there were some words that even they were unaware of. Meaning they did not know the exact meanings of those words. For example, Ibn Abbas, he saw a Bedouin use the word fatara, which literally means to tear something lengthwise for the first time. But fatir is used for who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the creator. So when they would observe, and when they would research, and when they would question, and when they would find out the meaning of the words of the Qur'an, the meaning of the text of the Qur'an, obviously all the effort that they're putting in, aren't they going to get reward for that? Yes. There are scholars who put in so much effort, who would read the Qur'an over and over and over again. Why? To try to understand a particular text. So this is a means of elevating the ranks of those who struggle to gain knowledge. A person could object, why mention mutashabihat when we cannot fully understand them, when we cannot fully comprehend them. But the point is that the way that the sentences, that the ayat are worded, what happens? People struggle to find out the meaning and as a result they increase in their reward, they increase in their darajat. So mutashabihat, why are they mentioned? To summarize, a test so that there is variety in the meaning. What else? To elevate the ranks of those who struggle to learn and also for the purpose of the beauty of the text which, which comes in eloquence and one more very important reason is to supplement our understanding of the muhkamat our knowledge our understanding would be incomplete if the mutashabihat ayat were not mentioned in the Quran so we see that there are two types of ayat muhkamat and mutashabihat what does Allah say? Allah says, فَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ زَيْغٌ So as for those people in whose hearts is a zayg. What is zayg? Zayg literally means to bend or to incline away from something. So zayg is used for deviation. It is used for crookedness. So those people in whose hearts is crookedness, meaning they don't think straight, they don't have the correct belief, they're deviated, they're crooked in their hearts, they have a crooked mentality. So these people... What do they do? فَيَتَّبِعُونَ So they follow. What do they follow? What do they pursue? مَا That which, meaning those verses that are تَشَابَهَ That are unspecific minhu from it, meaning from the Qur'an. So those people in whose hearts is a deviation, whose hearts are deviated, what do they do? They follow those verses that are unspecific. Now what does it mean by this deviation? This zayl? This zayl has been understood as shak, as doubt. A person who doesn't have correct iman, whose iman is full of doubts. I wonder if this really is true. I wonder if there really is the hereafter. So their iman has shak in it. So what do they do? They follow that which is unspecific. What does it mean by this? They follow that which is unspecific. This is understood as that all of their effort, all of their energy, all of their focus is on what? Ayat that are mutashabihat. Not ayat that are muhkamat. They just get stuck on the mosquito. 
Why did Allah mention the mosquito? Instead of focusing on the many commands that are mentioned in Surah Al-Baqarah, what do they focus on? The story of Uzair. The story of Ibrahim a.s. The story of Walut and Jalut. This is what they focus on. So their entire focus, their entire concentration is on the mutashabihat verses. They don't focus on what they should do, what they learn from the muhkamat, but rather they question, they focus on the mutashabihat ayat. Also this has been understood as that yattabi'una ma tashabih minhu that they pursue the mutashabihat ayat, meaning they go after them to alter the meaning of the mutashabihat verses. Why? Because that incorrect meaning, misinterpretation, what does it do? It conforms to their false understanding of the religion. So basically, they use the mutashabihat ayat to prove their points. So their entire focus is on the examples that are mentioned in the Qur'an, the stories that are mentioned in the Qur'an. They forget about the commands. They don't focus on them at all. Why? Because these stories or these examples, they would pick on only one aspect, one portion, one part of it. Why? To justify, to prove their point. For example, when it comes to the belief of Isa what do we know? That he is the slave of Allah. He is a human being. But there are some people who when they see the Qur'an, when they read the Qur'an, they say, look, it has been said that he is Ruhullah. Ruhum minhu. He is Ruh min Allah, from Allah. Meaning, he is the Ruh of Allah. And at the same time, what do they do? They ignore, they forget the other muhkamat ayat. For example, Allah says in the Qur'an, in huwa illa abdun an'amna alayhi. Indeed, he is only a servant. We blessed upon him. So they focus on the mutashabihat ayat. Why? Because they can misinterpret them. They can interpret them incorrectly to prove their point. To justify their claims. To justify their belief. As for why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls Isa alayhi salam ruhum minhu is because Isa alayhi salam was a ruh, meaning he was a person created by who? Created by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَنَفَخْتُ فِيهِ مِنْ رُوحِ I blew into him from my ruh. Well, everybody... Their ruh was blown into by who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And ruhi does not mean the ruh that is in me, but rather what it means is the one that I have created for the human beings. So what do they do? They focus on the mutashabihat, they misinterpret them, and they use them to justify their false claims. This is what they do. Why do they do this? Allah says, ibtigha'a, seeking. For the purpose of Al-fitna Mischief This is what they want To seek fitna What is fitna? Fitna literally is to Melt or heat golden fire Why? In order to purify it In order to mold it And then the word is used for Exposing something to Difficulty Which is why the word fitna Is used for trials It is also used for punishment And it is also used for Putting someone In such a difficulty That they are Driven away From their faith driven away from what they believe in. Which is why we learned the meaning of fitna to be religious persecution before. That a person is persecuted because of his religion so that eventually he leaves his deen. So, ibtigha al-fitna. What does it mean by fitna over here? Confusion. Misguidance. Throwing people into confusion. Misleading the ignorant people. This is what they want to do. Ibtigha al-fitna. Whilst وَبْدِغَاءَ تَأْوِيلِ And also to seek its interpretation. They also focus on the mutashabihat ayat. Why? In order to know their interpretation. But the fact is that no matter how much a person tries to learn about the interpretation of the mutashabihat ayat, some of them, it's not possible. For example, the story of Uzayah There are some details that are not mentioned very clearly. Okay, try your best to find out what exactly happened. Can you ever find out? Can you? You cannot. You can't go back in history and see what exactly happened. You just have to trust what Allah is telling you. They focus on the mutashabihat to seek their interpretation. Now the word ta'wil is from the root letters hamza wa'ulam. From the word awl or ma'al which is to return to the origin of something. And the word ta'wil is understood in several ways. First of all, it has been said that the wheel 
is to understand a word in the light of one of its connotations. For example, when it is said, he was a lion in the battlefield. What does it mean? That literally became a lion? No. Doesn't mean that physically he became a lion? No. One of the connotations of being a lion is to be very brave, to be very fierce. So what it means by being a lion in the battlefield is that he was very brave. He was very fierce. It is also said that the wheel is to explain a word or a phrase. So in other words, it is the interpretation of something. What a word actually means. What do we call that? Tafsir. Tafsir of the Quran. What this word means in the context. What this text means in the context. What this phrase means in the context. What is that? The tafsir. So ta'wil also means the explanation of a word or of a text. What it actually means. Thirdly, the word ta'wil also gives a meaning of the actualization of an event. When something actually happens. When something occurs. So over here, وَابْتِغَاءَ تَأْوِيلِ Seeking its ta'wil. What does it mean by that? Seeking its interpretation. What it actually means. For example, we learn about Yusuf salam. He said, هَذَا تَأْوِيلُ رُؤْيَايَ This is the interpretation of my dream. So ta'wil means interpretation. Interpretation is the first meaning. The second meaning in the context is that wheel over here gives meaning of the actualization of that particular thing or that particular fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned. That they seek out the interpretation of that text or they seek out the fulfillment of that particular statement that has been mentioned in the Quran. Now what does it mean by this? We see that some people, when they focus on the mutashabihat verses, what do they want to do? They want to know what the exact meaning is. And because they can never find out, they get stuck in it. They get caught up in it. And at the same time, they ignore that which is more important. Secondly, they try to seek out the actualization of that mutashabihat verses. For example, we see that for some people, the Quran is only a book of predictions. And they're saying, oh look, this is a sign of the Day of Judgment. Well, okay, it may be a sign, but is this the only thing that you learn from the Qur'an? No. There are so many other things that you learn from the Qur'an. But most of Muslims, what is their focus on? This is a sign of Day of Judgment, this is a sign of Day of Judgment, not this is a command of Allah and this is a prohibition from Allah. So their entire focus is on the mutashabihat. They don't focus on the muhkamat. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent the book. Why? For our guidance. So that we do something. Not so that just we're guessing, just we're saying, okay, this is you know what it means and this is what that means. No, not just that, but mainly so that we act upon the Qur'an. But the focus of these people is on the mutashabihat ayat. We learn that from a hadith that is recorded in Muslim Ahmad. Aisha radiallahu anha said that the Prophet ﷺ recited this ayah. Until the end of the ayah. And then he said, When you see those who argue in it, when you see those people who argue in what? In the mutashabihat, then they are those whom Allah has met. By who? By Alladina fi qulubihim zaykun. Who are these people? Those who argue with regards to the mutashabihat. Therefore, Beware of them. Beware of them. Don't listen to them. Don't follow their interpretations. Don't follow what they're telling you. Don't follow what they're justifying through the Quran. Because what they're interpreting is incorrect. Similarly, another version of the hadith tells us that when you see those who follow what is not so clear of the Quran, then they are those whom Allah has described. So beware of them. So their focus is on the Mutashabihat. The Prophet ﷺ warned us, beware of them. Don't listen to these people. So when you see a person focusing not on the amal aspect of the Qur'an, 
and focusing just on the mutashabiha, just on the stories, just on the examples, just on these details that are not very clear in the Quran, then become alert. Sometimes we go listen to a lecture, listen to something, and it's possible that the entire lecture was very amusing, very nice, but at the end you're like, okay, so what am I supposed to do? There is no action point, nothing. It's just commentary, commentary, commentary. So when it comes to only commenting, only talking, only arguing, only discussing, then become alert and stay away. The Prophet ﷺ told us, beware of them. When you see people arguing with the mutashabihat, beware of them. But when a person is telling us about what to do, because this is what we learn from the Qur'an, this is what the muhkam verse tells us, then do that. What does Allah say? Allah says, وَمَا يَعْلَمُ تَأْوِيلَهُ And none knows its interpretation. Whose interpretation? The interpretation of the mutashabihat ayat. Who knows about their exact meaning? Who knows about their precise meaning? إِلَّا Allah, Except Allah. Only Allah knows about the exact meaning of these verses. وَالْرَاسِخُونَ فِي الْعِلْمِ And those people who are firmly grounded in knowledge. Rasikhun is a plural of Rasikh. And Rasikh is from Rusukh. Rusukh, Rasin Kha, means to be deeply rooted in something. To be firmly established in something. So much so that the thing which is deeply rooted becomes stable. For example, you have a nail, a very long nail, which you're going to hammer into the wall. One is that you hammer it in only slightly so that it's just standing against the wall. What's going to happen? You will touch it or you will hang something on it and it's going to fall. But the other is to hammer it deeply so that it becomes firm and it's not moving anymore. It becomes stable. And then whatever you put on it is going to stay. This is what rusukh means. To deeply and firmly ground something so that it becomes stable. So, الرَّاسِخُونَ Those who are firmly grounded in what? فِي الْعِلْمِ In the knowledge. Those who have firmness in knowledge. Those who have clear understanding of the knowledge. Which knowledge is this? Which ilm is this? Of the deen, of the Qur'an, of the sunnah. What is their reaction when it comes to the ayat mutashabihat? يَقُولُونَ They say, آمَنَّا بِهِ We believe in it. Despite the fact that they know so much. What is their reaction? That we believe in it. Okay, fine. I don't fully comprehend this. I don't fully understand it. But I believe in it. Why? Because kullun, all of it. All of the Qur'an. The muhkam ayat and the mutashabih ayat. Both of them, all of them are from who? Min indi rabbina. From our Lord. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed it. Now the question is, who are the rasikhuna fil ilm? Who are they? Rasikhuna fil ilm are those who are firmly grounded in knowledge. You see, when it comes to knowing ilm, there are different levels. One is to be a talibul ilm, to be a student of knowledge, to be a seeker of knowledge. And this is at the beginner level. The second level is of sahibul ilm. Someone who has gained knowledge at a specific level. For example, a person has studied about fiqh, he has studied about ilm al-Quran, ilm al-Tafseed, different things. He has mastered or he has gained the knowledge at a specific level. Then there is Rasikhuna fil ilm. Who are they? Those who have not just learned the knowledge, but they have understood that ilm as well. They don't just know it, but they understand it. And because they understand it, they use that knowledge. They act upon that knowledge. And remember, the more a person acts upon knowledge, the more he remembers it. The moment we act upon something, then we remember it. And if we don't act upon it, we forget it. So rasikhuna fil ilm are not just those who have big degrees, who have studied from big universities, who have big ijazas. No. They are those who have gained their ilm and they have understood it, they have absorbed it, they have implemented it, they use it. For example, sometimes you're reading a book on Islam or on Tafsir or something like that, and you're reading. And then you see that the scholar has 
quoted another ayah to explain a particular ayah. Now it's possible that you have read both the verses, but you never connected the two. But he connected the two. Why? Because he fully understood both of them and he remembered them as well, which is why he was able to connect the two and put both of them together and understand them together. So rasikhuna fil ilm are not just those who know, but they understand, implement and use that knowledge as well. It is said that rasikhuna fil ilm, the Prophet ﷺ was asked about them. And he said, huwa man barrat yaminuhu. He is the one who does not swear false oaths. He speaks the truth. And his heart is firm. What does he mean by this? Iman is strong. He does not swear false oaths. Who is it who has to swear all the time? Someone who is not credible. Someone who is not trustworthy. And so he has to swear all the time. But someone whom others look up to. He doesn't need to swear. He doesn't need to tell people that I swear this is the case. I swear that is the case. No. His statements are clear. They're to the point. Then he speaks the truth. And then his heart is firm. Meaning upon Iman. Generally we think that Rasikhuna fil ilm are those who have just written a lot of books. What does the hadith tell us? That it's not just those who have ilm but it is those who do amal as well those who act upon their ilm as well. You see their ilm in their amal. You see the knowledge in their action. It has also been said that the good scholar is one who, when people seek to gain knowledge from him, he tells them what is correct. And he does not show arrogance or bad character or bias in telling the truth. If people do not show him deference, he does not complain. If people don't respect him, if people don't come to his class, if people don't come to his institute, he doesn't complain. Because the point is what? To project oneself? No. The point is to spread the knowledge. And he does not compromise for the sake of others on the deen. And he does not demand the respect of others. Rather, he trusts only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the rasikhuna fil ilm, what do they do? What is their reaction when it comes to the mutashabi ayat? What do they do? What is their reaction? That, O oh, our Lord, we believe in all of it. Why? Because it is from you. We believe in the mutashabih, we believe in the muhkam as well. Because both are from you. Now this part of the ayah has also been understood in another way. And what is that? That is that you join وَالرَّاسِخُونَ فِي الْعِلْمِ with إِلَّا اللَّهِ That وَمَا يَعْلَمُ تَأْوِيلَهُ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَالرَّاسِخُونَ فِي الْعِلْمِ And then you pause. What does it mean then? That none knows the interpretation, the exact meaning of the mutashabih ayat except who? Except Allah and the rasikhuna fil ilm. The rasikhuna fil ilm, they're the ones who know, who understand the mutashabih ayat as well. But how can they know the ghayb? How can they know the unseen? What does it mean by this then? That they also know the ta'wil. They also know the meaning. What it means is that they also understand these verses. For example, we learned about alif, lam, mim, the huruf, muqatta'at in great detail. So many scholars have presented their opinions. But the final opinion that I mentioned to you, doesn't it make most sense? Isn't it the most relevant in the context? And when you look at the entire Qur'an, all of the surahs, all of the ayat, I mentioned to you some of the surahs in which huruf muqatta'at are mentioned. When you look at all of them, then that opinion makes more sense. That these huruf, what do they do? They display the miraculous nature of the Qur'an. So, the rasikhuna fil ilm, they also understand the ta'wil of these ayat. But when do they understand them? When they are rasikhuna fil ilm, when they are firmly grounded in knowledge. When they don't just know on the surface. But they understand the ayat in the context. And remember that mutashabihat ayat, one of the meanings was that those verses that are open to multiple interpretations, also those verses that are open to multiple interpretations. So the correct interpretation of the mutashabihat ayat, who knows them? Rasikhuna fil They know them. So for example, 
the ayah about Isa alayhi salam. Ruham minhu. You could misunderstand it if you read it just on the surface. But someone who is rasikhun fil ilm, they will tell you that no, ruham minhu doesn't mean ruh of Allah, part of Allah, but ruh that Allah has created. So rasikhun fil ilm, they understand the correct interpretation of the mutashabihat ayat. وَالرَّاسِخُونَ فِي الْعِلْمِ يَقُولُونَ آمَنَّا بِهِ كُلُّمْ مِنْ عِنْدِ رَبِّنَا What does Allah say at the end? وَمَا يَذَّكَّرُ إِلَّا أُلُوا الْأَلْبَابِ And none takes heed except those of understanding. يَذَّكَّرُ as you know, تَذَكُّر What does it mean? To take heed. To take a lesson from something. To remember it. To not forget it. So, who takes a lesson from this? And what lesson by the way? That a person should not just get stuck on the mutashabihat, he should focus on the muhkamat, and he should believe in both of them. Who will really take a lesson? Ulul albab. Those people who have sound intellect. Those people who use their mind. You see, it requires intellect to understand that it's not possible to understand. And a person who lacks intellect, what does he think? That I should be able to understand something. If this is not logical, if I cannot understand this fully, then I will not believe in it. For example, there are people who say, oh, because I cannot see angels, therefore I'm not going to believe in the angels. Yes, they're mentioned in the Quran, but it's only metaphorical. It's not real. Similarly, day of judgment, I haven't seen it. Therefore, I'm not going to believe in it. There are people who say that. But what does Allah say? وَمَا يَذَّكَّرُوا إِلَّا أُلُوا الْأَلْبَابِ It requires intellect to understand that you cannot understand this. And despite the fact that you cannot understand this, still you have to accept it because it is necessary. It is only those who use their mind who understand. So basically in this ayah, we learn that there are two types of ayat in the Qur'an. Muhkamat and Mutashabihat. And when these verses are mentioned in the Qur'an, people react in one of the two ways. One way is that a person says, I believe in it. Why? Allah has sent it. It's a part of the Qur'an. The other way is of zayg, of deviation. That, oh, no, what does this mean? And how come this is mentioned over here? But it's not true. But I haven't seen it. How can you prove it? Why? Why do they do this? To create fitna and to know or to find out a ta'wil that suits their beliefs. But over here as we see, the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala likes is of the rasikhuna fil ilm. Let's listen to the recitation of this ayah. فَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ زَيْغٌ فَيَتَّبِعُونَ مَا تَشَابَهَ مِنْهُ بْتِغَاءَ الْفِتْنَةِ وَبْتِغَاءَ تَأْوِيلِهِ وَمَا يَعْلَمُ تَأْوِيلَهُ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَالرَّاسِخُونَ فِي الْعِلْمِ يَقُولُونَ آمَنَّا بِهِ كُلٌّ مِّنْ عِنْدِ رَبِّنَا وَمَا يَذَّكَّرُ إِلَّا أُلُو الْأَلْبَابِ